If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke will be in chapter 10 this morning. Imagine, if you will, that you have a transcriber, someone who is taking notes on your every move, chronicling every thought, every word you say. Kind of a scary thought, isn't it? I, I was watching a video online and I found someone talking about the, the job of a transcriptionist. Uh, in a courtroom, these folks would type out what's being said. Now, normally, uh, uh, you know, uh, a normal person might type 50, 60, 70 words a minute. Great secretaries might get into the 90s, possibly even 100 words a minute. But these transcribers are able to do over 230 words a minute because of the way that they type. They don't type letters at a time. They type words at a time. They type certain keys in different combinations to type out the words. And so they're able to keep up with the speech that goes on in a courtroom. They're able to keep up with multiple speakers and not only chronicle what's being said, but who said it and in exactly what order. So much so that just seconds later, you can ask the person what was just spoken and they can read it for you. It's quite amazing. But imagine one of these individuals is following you around, typing every word, every thought, every action, keeping track of your entire life. I have a feeling that that transcriptionist would type far more question marks than periods. Our lives are full of questions from the first days of our existence to the last. Questions of big things, Who am I? Why am I here? What is life all about? Questions of little things. What's for dinner? Where did I put my glasses? Questions abound. Imagine, we we can go to God in prayer and we can ask him our questions. I don't know that he'll necessarily tell you where you left your glasses, you know. But imagine what it would be like to stare the Son of God in his face and to pose your questions. What questions would you ask him? What would be the thoughts that, even if, whether you have one or or a hundred opportunities, what would be the questions that you would bring to him? As cool as it is to have someone nearby that you can ask questions, how much greater would it be to have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who knows all the answers? It must have been amazing. Several times in the scriptures, we find examples of people asking questions of Jesus. We've already seen some of them in the parables. A lawyer comes and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells a parable. Love, what's the greatest commandment? He answers. The guy responds, love God. He says, love God, love neighbor. Those are the two greatest commandments. And, and, and the guy says, and who is my neighbor? He tells the story of the Good Samaritan, Right? Jesus often answered questions with stories that would not only instruct, but would demonstrate the lesson at hand. But sometimes he teaches. And we're going to begin a new series today where we're looking at the questions that people are asking Jesus and his responses. And today we begin in Luke chapter 10. So stand with me as we read from God's word. Luke 10, beginning in verse 38. We'll read through the end of the chapter. This is God's word, and if you let it, it will not only answer your questions, it'll change your life. Luke 10, 38 says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. 
You are so anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Pray with me. Father, I pray this morning we would choose the good portion. Father, help us find the answers to our questions in you. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. We think of Jesus living a life full of excitement and action, and there's a good reason for that. The Gospels portray his life as full of excitement and action. We see him going from place to place, healing people. Whether they're lame or blind or deaf, doesn't matter. Even, well, these sisters would find out one day, even the dead being raised. But, but not every day was like that. Not all the time was Jesus doing the exciting, the miraculous, the spectacular Sometimes it was just ordinary circumstances, and that's where we find Jesus in this day. In fact, you couldn't get much more ordinary than the beginning of verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. There's nothing supernatural here, nothing spectacular, no incredible feat to perform. That'll come later. We'll later find out that this woman, Martha, and her sister Mary have a brother named Lazarus who would die. The day would come for the miracle, but not today. Today is just an ordinary day. So he enters this village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into our house. An ordinary circumstance, an ordinary woman welcoming Christ into her home, just like any good host or hostess would do. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So here we have an ordinary day when the Lord of the universe is welcomed into a home by a hostess with her sister sitting at his feet attending to his ever, every single word. Just a common day. Imagine the teaching uh, that Jesus taught to those who gathered. Maybe he was echoing the parable of the Good Samaritan that he had just told to a lawyer before coming into this village. Maybe uh, he was detailing the kingdom life like he had done on the shores of Galilee and teaching the Sermon on the Mount. Perhaps he was expounding the scriptures, showing the Messiah and the nature of who he was and what he would do. Maybe, like the old prophets, he was decrying sin, calling people to repentance and genuine contrition. What cadence his voice must have had, like a shepherd gently guiding his sheep through mountain passes. What, what authority he spoke with. Like, a, like one of the boldest of prophets in days long gone by. What compassion for people as he smiles at a child's playful laughter and as he mournfully consults someone grieving the loss of a loved one. No wonder Mary found herself enthralled by this Jesus. And all the while, Martha is the ever-vigilant hostess, running back and forth to and fro. She's tidying the room as she's already started dinner. The smell of bread baking and the, the spices on the stovetop cooking fill the house with a pleasant aroma. Don't let that sauce burn, Martha. Make sure you get there in time. There's, there's, there's a little bit of trouble. His cup is getting empty, Martha. You might want to refill that. You want to make sure they're, they're welcome and they're, they're feel invited and she's, she's mustering up the best welcome, the warmest invitation that she can possibly muster. And all the while, all the hustling about, Martha falls into a trap that's all too common. It's the trap we see at the beginning of verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. 
Another way to read this phrase might be that she was overburdened with great service. You see, the, the, the plethora of things to do in hosting guests was overwhelming her. Have you ever been there? You ever been there when things are going amok and everything's happening at once? Stuff is finishing up. It's time to make the glasses. You got to get the table set. All of these events are happening at once. And, and where's your sister, Martha? What's she doing? She's over there sitting, listening to Jesus and not helping you one bit. I can imagine Martha keeps call, calling. Hey, Mary, Mary, I need your help. Come here, Mary. Can you come do this for me real quick? Can you get these glasses to the table? Can you, can you get place settings? Mary, Mary, are you hearing me? Mary, where are you? No, I've never been there. I've, I've never had any of that happen to me. <laughs> Neither has Carrie, right? No, you haven't either. I can imagine her so overwhelmed with so many things to do. She's fallen into the trap. You know the trap. You've been there. When service takes priority, it becomes a distraction. So... What does she do? She goes up to Jesus. I'm sure she's called Mary a hundred times by now. Luke doesn't tell us that, but I'm sure she has. So she finally just goes in there and Jesus, look look at the rest of verse 40. She's distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? It's a question of frustration. Lord, I'm trying to do all these things for you. I'm trying to be a good hostess. Is it too small a thing to ask for you to care about my plight? God, don't you care at least enough to send my sister in to help me carry this heavy burden? She's neglecting me. That's what, that's what that means. My sister has left me to serve alone. You know what she does in the Greek? She changes the word order. She takes alone from the back of the sentence where it belongs, where it is in English. She puts it in front of has left me. My sister alone has left me. Do you hear the frustration? Do you feel the frustration? Think about those times. Uh, I, I've, I've, I work in a kitchen. Mike works in a kitchen. Farrell works in a kitchen. Brandy works in a kitchen. Y'all know this. There are times when it is just nuts and you are running around like crazy trying to get everything done that needs to get done and then there's somebody standing in your way talking. Man, it, it, it makes you just want to bless them, doesn't it? Ladies, some of you know this. You've putting together Thanksgiving dinner. And man, there's a thousand things to do. And where is that husband? <laughs> Nowhere to be found. He's probably going back to the grocery store for the fifth time to get something that, that, that we forgot to get earlier in the week. Not that that's ever happened to me. Thanksgiving, I remember Thanksgiving morning driving to Winn-Dixie to get some milk for something. And I thought to myself, why in the world is Winn-Dixie open on Thanksgiving morning? They shouldn't be open on Thanksgiving. And then I got there and saw all the other husbands picking up a few items. And I said, that's why they're open. <laughs> they're making money. But when service takes priority, it's a distraction. Here, here's the problem. It's not that Jesus doesn't care. In fact, look at verse 41. Look, listen, listen to just this first words. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. Now, there is a place for service, but I'm struck by his heart here. He doesn't start with, he doesn't, notice he doesn't start with, you're, you know what, you're right. Mary, you go in there and help her. 
He doesn't glare at Mary like she's doing something wrong. He doesn't glare at Martha like she's like she needs to, to suck it up and deal with it, buttercup. He doesn't, he doesn't do either of those things. Look at his heart. Martha, Martha, you forgot the main thing. You see, Martha, Martha was so worried about all the stuff to do, she forgot the one whom she was doing it for. Here is the Son of God, God in flesh, sitting on your couch, and you're worried about a thousand other things. Martha, Martha. I got to be honest with you. (laughs) It sounds a little too familiar for me. I get caught up in the things to do, and I forget the people. I get caught up in the stuff, the service, the task list, and I miss out on the relationship. Don't we all sometimes? It's easy to let the works overburden and blind us to the gift of God. God's very presence in her house. She's too worried about the dust on the floor, the burning the sauce. It's not that those things aren't important. It's good to have sauce that's not burnt. But if we forget the one whom we're serving, we may as well quit serving. We've got to be very careful, church, because there is a great work to do, and it will take so much effort of us, but we cannot forget the one we're serving. I think of the church of Ephesus. They did that. God tells them in Revelation, Jesus tells John, write this to, to the angel of the church of Ephesus. He says, he says, I know your works. I know all the great things you do. I know the many different things, the, the fellowship that you have with one another. I know that you're not standing, uh, you're not falling to false doctrine, but you're standing up. You're testing teachers to make sure they're teaching the truth. You're doing all the right things except one thing I have against you. You left your first love. You got to be very careful. It would be tragic for the people of our neighborhoods to see God's deeds in us, but not see his heart. We can do so many great things, but if we do not have a heart for the risen Savior, if we do not have a heart that's devoted to God, that's compassionate for people, what we do does not matter. It would be terrible for us to show the works of love and not speak the words of love. We cannot be so worried about accomplishing great feats for God that we become cold and distant from the fire of God's Spirit that fire that warms us, that alights anew within us a passion for God and for others. So what do we do? How do we keep service from taking priority and becoming a distraction? Jesus tells the church in Ephesus three things to do. First, remember. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Don't forget where you were. Why did Martha invite Jesus into her house in the first place? To show hospitality, right? And yes, hospitality involves keeping a cup full and offering, offering food and all of those kinds of things, serving someone. That, that's part of it. But what's the main point of hospitality? You can say it. It's okay. What's the main point of hospitality? It's not service. It's the one you're serving. It's the relationship with the person that you're offering that service to. If service becomes the priority, it becomes a distraction. It, de- it, it takes your focus off of the person and it puts it on to something else. I cannot let, and you cannot let, for our service of God distract us from God. We cannot let our service of other people distract us from the needs of those people, from loving those people. 
We cannot let it become about the stuff we do. It must be about God and about them. So what do we do? First, we remember. Why are we doing this in the first place? Remember from where you have fallen, he tells that church. Do you know why? Because they had a first love. By the way, it's a whole lot easier to serve someone if you like them, right? Like them again. Notice I didn't say love them because Jesus told you you had to love them. And sometimes love just has to happen without feeling. Like them. Care about them. Find a reason. Now, some folks, that those reasons abound. It's easy. Some folks, you got to dig a little deeper. Some folks, you need a pickaxe and a light because you got to go mining. The fact of the matter is, though, that when we care more about that person, when we remember the reason why we're serving God, when we care more about him than the things that we're doing for him, then we'll understand meanings of phrases like to obey is better than sacrifice. Because then we understand that the obedience is a sacrifice of a much higher level. It's not just about what we're doing. It's about submitting to him, loving him enough to trust him enough to follow him in faith. And now it's not just about what we're doing. It's about who we're doing it for. We worship not to build ourselves up, not to put us in a happier mood, not to um, look good or feel better. We worship for him. Remember from where you've fallen. Remember your first love. Go back to that first love. Remember who it is that you're working for. Instead of being focused on the service, focus on the one you're serving. And then the service will come naturally, right? Second thing he tells them to do, repent. This is maybe where we, I think we lose it. When we get, when we let service take priority, it becomes a distraction. When it becomes a distraction, it becomes sin. Because we ought to be focused on Christ and none other. And when we allow our focus to drift from Christ to someone else, we're sinking. Peter, Jesus, if it's you, call me out of the boat. Jesus says, come on, Peter. Peter walks on water. Amazing. Until he puts his eyes somewhere else and then he sinks. Do you know why he was walking on water? It wasn't him walking on water. No, it was Jesus holding him up on water. When he was focused on Christ, whatever God wanted him to do, he was able to do, even though it was physically impossible. When we are focused on Christ, the acts of service will happen and they will happen in a way that we can't explain. We can't understand. We can't possibly reduplicate ourselves. But they'll happen because of the one of whom we're serving. But when we let service take priority, try walking on water without focusing on Christ. <laughs> I tell you what, you give me, you give me a good, you give me a good glass platform and I'll walk on water. I saw a magician do that one time. He had it where the, the glass was just underneath the surface and there's people swimming up under it because it, it's, you know, it's kind of hollowed out, you know, to where, to where people could swim under it. And so it looks like there's nothing underneath. There's no platform or anything, but there is a platform. It's just, it's just built a different way. So that, that, that's about the closest I can come. But you get your focus on Christ and then you learn what the angel told Mary, Jesus' mother. With God, all things are possible. Because when your focus is on Christ, he gives you the power to do what he wants you to do. Now, that does not mean he gives you the power to do what you want to do. It means he gives you the power to do what he wants you to do. He's the one that enables you. 
and it all comes from focusing on him. But when you're not focused on him, the service takes priority, it distracts you from him, it becomes sin, and you need to repent. Some of us need to repent because it's been all about the works and not about the Savior. It's been all about righteousness and not about the righteousness. Some of us need to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Some of us need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Remember, repent. Third thing he tells them, do the works you did at first. If you need an R, try return. That's the best one I can come up with. Or redo. You do redo. Do the works you did at first. Notice, the trick isn't to do more works. The trick is to remember and repent and then do more works. Because now you're in the right frame of mind that the works will work. We want to fix it. Men, she tells you a problem. What's your first reaction? What's the solution, right? We want to fix it. Before we can fix it, we got to turn back to him. we got to take service off the throne and put Christ back where he belongs. We've got to take our eyes off of the deeds and put it onto the divine. Once we do that, then the works can come. Remember, repent, return. Don't you care, Lord? Don't you care that I'm overburdened? Why, yes, I do. You shouldn't be so burdened. Don't let service become the distraction. Keep your eyes on the one you're serving. Maybe you don't know this one. You, you've, you say, well, I'm not serving him, so let me... Let me take a moment to remind you of who he is. He is the one that God sent. Because there's a problem. God makes the world and makes it perfect. But we, like we always do, because it's in our nature, we mess up. We fail. We don't just miss the mark. It's not like it's not like archery in the sense that you're trying your best, but it's just not going where you want it to go, and you have to learn how to make it go where you want it to go. It's, it's willful disobedience. It's, I know what God wants, but I'm turning my face up and turning my back and saying, no way, Jose, not me. I'm not doing that. It's defiance. When we choose to sin against God, what we're choosing is to defy him. We're telling him, I don't care what you want. It's about what I want. That's a problem. That's a problem because God wants relationship with us, but he cannot have relationship with us when we shut the door, when we stop, when we sin, when we defy him. That cuts off the relationship. And so God sent his son, Jesus Christ, living a perfect life, dying a perfect death, rising again with a perfect resurrection to provide the perfect atonement for your sins and mine. And all that's left for us to do is to repent to turn away from our sins and turn to God, trust Him to give us that relationship that He created us for in the first place. God says, yes, I care about you. Yes, I care for you, but you need to repent. This morning, I, I, I want to give you an opportunity to repent if you haven't done that. If you, if you haven't asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to be your master, to be the one you're following, I want to give you the chance to do that. I'm going to be up here at the front while we sing an invitation hymn. Maybe, maybe you've accepted Christ and you realize I've made service the top priority. I've lost sight of the one I'm serving. And I would invite you to pray. We've got this, uh, this area up here, this altar. We love, you're welcome to come pray here. You can pray in your seat. So ask God to do the work in you to help you remember from where you've fallen, to repent of sin, and then to do the works that you While we sing this invitation hymn, you come. Let's pray. Father, uh, I, I, I recognize I can't give you this time because it's not mine to give you. It's your time. 
But Lord, I, I do recognize that I might be in the way. I recognize that we all might be letting ourselves get the Father, remove us, take us from the spotlight, turn our eyes upon help us fix our outcomes and help us consider Christ and become our Lord. And we may remember from where we've fallen. Come back to that first love. Repent of our turning away and letting other things distract us so that when we serve you, we serve you out of a heart of gratitude, passion, dedication to showing your love to the lead and your spirit is fallen on our service and glorify. Help us as Mary to be a good for draw people.